Well, good morning. Uh, I was talking to Elizabeth is that earlier, yes, and she was telling me about this thing called Godly Play. Anyone heard of that? Okay, all too old, I guess, really, most of us, anyway. Yeah, Godly Play. Sounds really good. Just um, see Elizabeth afterwards. But it, it really tied in, just the idea of... Just even the, the title, I love the title, that, that, that children are playing in a way that actually informs us, informs them of, of, of God and, and just living, maybe living in it a bit more than, than just talking about it. Because we adults, we do like to talk about stuff and, and kids like to be involved, right? Which is why we have activity bags and stuff like that. So, which really ties in quite well with what I want to talk about today. We're, talking, we're taking communion in, in, in a while and... Um, so um, I did a series on teaching of, on, on communion back at the beginning of the year at King's, <clears throat> and I did one of those, I'm sure you remember, I did teach uh, on that here, uh, or one of those sessions here. But I thought, um, as we're taking uh, communion again today, just to carry on sharing some of those things. So I'm going to talk about um, communion as sacraments today. Yeah, what does that mean? That's... Well, some of you might be thinking, oh my goodness, no, I don't want to hear that. Some of you are thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about already. Um, please give me an activity back, I'll join the children. <laughs> um, uh, it's a churchy word. Um, you may or may not know what it means. It may have connotations. Uh, it may trigger you in some ways. It may have connections. But as a bit of a warm-up, if you've got a Bible, actually, <clears throat> you might want to turn to Psalm uh, 36. If you've got a Bible, I'll, I'll read it. Psalm 36, verses 5 to 9, um, which says this. And I'm going to, you know, sometimes you read a book and it says, emphasis mine, you know, where, where the, the authors, I put some italics in or something and it, it kind of emphasises. I'm, I'm going to put just a little bit of emphasis in so you can maybe get where, where I'm going with this. It says, love, uh, your, sorry, your love, Lord, reaches the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies, your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice is the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So, I want us, we're around, I love the fact we're around tables, it makes it my job a lot easier. In our church, we have to move the chairs and if people want to talk to each other. So, I just want you to take two minutes, no more than that, two minutes, looking at that short passage, um, which you might have in front of you, Psalm 36, 5 to 9, and look at how the writer has used the natural world to to um, describe God and his attributes. And I want you just to think about what kind of emotions, what kind of connections, what kind of feelings, experiences, memories, or realities that conjures up with for you. You might have a story about being on a mountain and you, it kind of spoke to you about God. But So two minutes, go. You're, if you're looking puzzled, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm puzzled, and then they might help you out. So I'm going to ask for some feedback. So you might want to appoint a spokesperson or get somebody that you can prod hard so that they'll jump and put their hand up in a second. Okay, I've been past the baton of faith here. So let's, um, 
Has anyone got any, uh, any thoughts on this? Any, any... You probably won't want to speak yourself, but maybe you can say somebody in your... Okay. I'm going to run around with this. No, the thing that struck me was when you were reading it. He started right at the heavens, then he went to the sky, then he went to the mountains, and then he went to the deep. Okay. And it, just that bit about the bird, you know, under the wings was a feeling of safety. Right. Yeah. Good observation. I hadn't seen that myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, that kind of the layers, really. And then, but this feeling of safety under the wings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's describing God in, in many levels there. Yeah. Good. Anyone else? Beat that. No, sorry. Um, it's, it, he's all-encompassing, and he's everywhere and in everything, and it just gives you a really lovely feeling of being supported, and even when things are tough, he's there. Um, it, it's one of the most beautiful psalms I've ever read, and it's lovely to... Okay. Look at it. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. You know, it is a great psalm. I mean, I love the psalms, but yeah. Alison, yeah, thank you. Um, the verse where it says about your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds, I love the bit where you're in an aeroplane and it could be a really wet day and then you go up through the clouds and the sun is shining. And I remember pointing that out to John and then he's like, well, that's obvious. <laughs> And I felt really stupid. <laughs> but, you know, next time I'm in the aeroplane thinking that, I will be next weekend, I'm going to see my mum, I will think about God's faithfulness reaching beyond the clouds. Thank you. Yeah, I love, I love flying too. That's one of my favourite bits. Is like, it doesn't matter how miserable it is down here. It's always, it's always summer up there, it seems, anyway, out the window. Yeah. So I looked at the word, um, as an English teacher, we look at uh, authors' techniques, and uh, one of them is repetition, and the word steadfast was there. And that shouts out at me, because how many of us really steadfastly love each other, but Father God never, ever, ever, ever stops loving us to the nth degree. We'll never understand how deep and wide and high that love is, and steadfast is such a beautiful word so never let go of that, I feel. Well, there's good verbs like extends to the heavens. Verbs, the verbs are brilliant. Janet, Janet's also a teacher and she's always telling me it's better to use descriptive verbs than even adverbs because they're very powerful. Steadfast is the adjective because it's how he loves us. And um, abundance. Abundance is such a whole word, isn't it? It's like... The Lord says to give us abundant love, uh, life. You know, He gives, wants to give us life abundantly. So, but I think, based on that, it's the love that we have in our hearts, and letting Father God love like that in, through us, is the foundation of our living the faith that we have. The same actually line that um, Alison mentioned, but in the NIV version, instead of clouds, it says your faithfulness to the skies, and a lot of us see sky as you know it ends, but actually the sky is, is infinite. So his faithfulness is therefore infinite. Um, so I just thought it was a powerful analogy in terms of looking at it that way too. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate that people actually speak rather than go, oh, what's he want me to do? Um, now, why have I said all that? Because about 10 minutes ago, I said something about sacrament. What is this thing sacrament? Well, 
Uh, and I'm going to share with you some teaching, really, that I received. I want to pay sort of tribute to one of my great heroes of, of theology, which is a guy called Philip Greenslade, who most people don't know. But if you know anything about um, Every Day with Jesus and Selwyn Hughes, he, he was kind of like the, the next generation, or kind of he knew Selwyn Hughes, and he was a great Bible teacher. He still is. I, I meet up with him from time to time. And um, he, he taught me this. But these, these ideas that we're talking about here, particularly, end with that last one, because uh, the, the idea that God... He is like, it's almost, he's like the skies, which just keep going and going and going and going. Like, how, can you put a limit on that? No. Like, when you're in the aeroplane, that's the thing, isn't it? You get up there and think, gosh, a long way over wherever that is, you know, and I'm going to, it just, God is infinite. And the idea of a, the sacramental world or the sacrament or the idea of sacraments is that the God's creation has a purpose, and, and all, of, all of creation, somebody else said this, I can't remember who said what now, but somebody else said that, that all of these things, I think you, you said that, that some of these, all of these things reveal God to us. God can be, reve- can be revealed to us in the blue sky, the clouds, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the wings, um, all of these things, God is revealed to us in visible and tangible stuff. Um, does that make sense? So that's the, a sort of sacramental idea. So that the idea that we can experience God through things. Not that he's, he is things, but we can experience him through the things he has made. Um, and now before the Reformation, I'm going to a bit of church, well, a bit of history, history really, before the Reformation, which was about the 16th century or the Enlightenment, 17th, 18th century, that kind of time. I, in Jesus' time, 2,000 years ago, people looked at the world like this. And, they, and I see God through the mountains, or I see God through the rocks, or through the skies, or through the clouds, or through this rain that just keeps hitting me on the head, or this sun that's, that's on me. They saw, and that's why the psalmist talks about mountains, skies, wings, fountains, rocks, towers. You read the psalms, the amount of times he says shepherd, or sheep. It's not just in Psalm 23, by the way. Um, it just, it's just like, oh, Really? Yeah, because I see God in this. This whole image of sheep and shepherd, I see God in this says the psalmist. And, and that's um, the, the whole idea of being s- sacramental in our thinking. And which is why when Jesus said, here's, here's some bread and here's some wine, this is my body and my, and my blood, it wasn't weird to them. It's a bit weird. To, I don't know about you, but it's a bit weird to us because it's like, really? Don't, don't, quite, don't quite get it. But this is this is how the, 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 um, the ancient Israelites, they had the Passover meal, which was a whole meal, a whole sensory experience of the whole story came to them through different elements of a meal, bitter this and, and, and uh, the, the bread and the bitterness of the herbs with the bitterness of slavery. And, I mean, I could do a whole teaching on that, but I won't go into that. But then Jesus takes that story and the, and the sensory experience of it and he, and he starts to teach people that this is, this is about me. So um, that's an idea of sacrament. Does that start to make sense that, that this is what sacrament is? It's not just a churchy word that vicars use and, or priests use and, and everyone kind of goes, mm-hmm. And, and, but it, it's, it has a, a meaning. Um, and the thing is, as, as I say, since probably the 1600s, 1700s, um, this rationalism developed in our thinking in the whole world we live in. And, and so, but now we think if you can't prove it scientifically, it doesn't exist. You know, there's a whole, uh, everything is dismissed. If you can't conceive it in your mind and sort of get your head around it, um, then if it doesn't make rational sense, it's just not a real thing. Um, 
Uh, and, and that influenced the Protestant church. We're part of the Protestant church, um, if you didn't know that. And, and so there was a move away from this idea of sacraments, which is, seems to be often quite associated with the Catholic church, um, where spiritual realities are conveyed through physical means. And, and we've, our tradition, to varying degrees, has moved to things that would be a bit, a bit more sim- symbolic. So we say, well, this represents something. The mountains represent the bigness of God, or the sky represents the bigness. It doesn't actually, com- it doesn't have any hold, anything of God in it. Um, I'm sorry if I'm getting a bit too deep here this morning, but stick with me. We'll get there eventually. Um, and so, um, actually, th- th- that was part of the Catholic-Protestant split, was really, a, a, because you may or may not know, that in, in the Catholic Church, they say the bread and the wine are the actual body and blood of Christ. It's like, this is, this is Jesus. And so if you've been to a Catholic Mass, depending on where you go, you will see people bowing down to the bread. Because my Catholic friends have said, well, if Jesus walked in the room, what would you do? You'd bow down, right? This, we're worshipping God. So they say, this bread is Jesus, so we're going to bow to the bread. Some people think that's idolatry. Hmm? I'm going to move on from there. I'm not going to get caught up in this. But we, we in the Protestant church, have a, <laughs> there's a sort of spread of ideas on what this could be. And some people still maintain, Luther and Calvin, you've heard of those, those guys? Anybody? You're all looking as if I didn't realize I'd come to Bible college this morning. Yeah, Luther and Calvin, they were the part of the Reformation. Um, and they still had this idea. They didn't want to throw out the idea that the bread and wine have a sacramental, they convey God to us in some way. Um, they, they convey the real presence of God. Um, but other people in the Protestant Reformation, they said, no, no, actually, we just want to, we're moving away from that. This is purely symbolic. Um, the bread and wine are just reminders, they're reminders of Jesus. Um, they're, they're sort of symbols and, and they represent him. Um, so the question is, and I don't, we won't discuss this around the table because you'll think I'd rather you just answer that, Richard. Are we talking about sacrament or are we talking about symbol here? With the, when we take our bread and our wine, is this just a representation, like a picture of Jesus, an image of Jesus? Or is there something real where we have the presence of Jesus with us as we eat this? So, Let's consider what Jesus said. Always a good idea. Don't consider necessarily so much what Richard says or what Luther and Calvin say, but let's first of all see what Jesus says. Matthew 26, uh, you don't have to turn there. I'll read this to you. It's a very familiar passage. It's, it says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Right. Take and eat it. Drink from it. Does that sound like symbolic language to you? Does it sound like um, something that is just a symbol, or is it something we're actually engaging in? That we're, we can actually, so like when we go walk, when Alison goes flying in the plane, she's kind of like experiencing the sky. And in all its bigness. She's not just looking at... I mean, I could send her a picture. If I go on a plane, I could send Alison a picture of the sky. And she'll, look, look at this, Alison, wow. And we all know this. We're all on holiday. We're always taking pictures, aren't we? Oh, I must show my f- friends and family when I get home these 500 pictures of the elephant that I saw, which was amazing. Well, it is amazing when you're there, but then when you see 500 pictures of it, it's still kind of, yeah, all right. Anyone been there? Or do you like looking at other people's holiday photos? Let's be honest. Okay. 
So Alison's going to think, yeah, nice picture, but I'd rather be there, right? So Jesus is saying, is he saying this is just a picture? Or is he saying you can experience this? I think he's saying there's something about the experience here. If we were just to say that these, the bread and wine were just symbols, we could actually just look at them and go, oh, yeah. Jackie's, whoever prepares communion, but I'm just assuming it may be Jackie. I don't know why. It's not today. Okay. Somebody's prepared the bread and wine. Let's look at them. There's Jesus. Nice. There's his body. There's his blood. Excellent. Nice picture. Or we could even draw a picture. Maybe if you want to get really engaged with it, we could sketch it if you're any good at sketching. Or we could meditate on it. That's just amazing bread. Or... As Jesus says, we break it. You know, we break, we actually have a loaf um, uh, at King's. We, we make sure we break the bread. It's messy when you do that. Anybody who does the, the cleaning afterwards, they go, oh, goodness, they're doing the bread again, and there's crumbs go everywhere. Stuff, you know, it, 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 and it never tears nice and neatly, by the way. You know, you don't get nice little cube slices. You, you, it kind of breaks, and it's like, oh. And, and the pouring, oftentimes, people spill the stuff, you know, or, or you measure up too much and, you know, when you're pouring stuff. And then you eat it and, and that, you, you get to taste something and you get to, to um, sense something. And you, and you also, when you're sharing, that you're breaking the bread and you're sharing it, it's like, I've got, I've got this and I'm giving it to you. And, and, and we're, we're having the same thing here. Um, and which is, I, I love hanging around rather toasty. There's, there's something communal about that, isn't it? There's sharing in that. And it's a very interactive, that's why I love this godly play idea, it's a very interactive remembering of Jesus. It's not just kind of like there's an image on the screen or there's a sort of a, it's, it's a very interactive thing. And it's as if Jesus kind of had this idea that these physical things would minister himself to us in a very real way. And I will say this in a mysterious way. I'm not, I'm not a Catholic and I don't think this is you know, that you could sort of prod this and you're kind of saying this is Jesus' like, DNA that I'm in, ingesting here. But I do think that through the body and the blood in a mysterious way, I think main, by the Spirit, there is something of Jesus' presence with us when we share communion. And that we, we participate in, in him and him in us. If you think about Jesus himself... We believe, one of the fundamental things that we believe is he was fully human and fully divine. Yeah, he was fully God and fully man all at the same time. He, he was God in flesh. God, we call it God incarnate. Another churchy word, incarnation. God in real human form. So he wasn't just a picture of God. He wasn't like a hologram. You know, that you could sort of, you see, you see it, but you can't actually touch. He, he was there. He, he, he had a physical reality. And he revealed himself, he revealed the fullness of God perfectly. You could say that Jesus was the ultimate sacrament. He revealed God to us in a physical, through the physical means. First John, John says in First John, right at the beginning, he says, that which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. See, Jesus was this physical revelation of God to us. And he said, while they were eating, he took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, 
Not this represents or is in a picture of my body, but this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. So the body and blood are like a parallel to the incarnation of Jesus. And they missed it. And it's, it is a mystery, all right? I can't explain this scientifically. I'm not going to... But mysteriously, there is something when we share bread and wine together that it conveys that it's the real presence of Jesus that we eat and drink together. I'll read another reading from 1 Corinthians. A lot of these things are read oftentimes around communion time. It says this, I speak to sensible people. Are we sensible people? Hmm. Maybe, okay, well, I'll just stop there, shall I? <laughs> we'll leave the reading for He's assuming that he's speaking to sensible people. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Now you could say, yeah, well, that's kind of symbolism. We, we're not really one body. You know, me and John do have separate lives, you know. But there's something that is actually happening here because I think we would say we really are. There's something different about church, you know. This is not just a collection of random people. This is the body of Christ. You know, John is my brother. And, and that's... It's a powerful thing to be able to say that because really we're not related. There is no blood relationship as far as I know. I don't know. Maybe I have to trace the family trees. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, but we are family. We are, we are the body of Christ. That is a powerful thing. And this comes through communion. So it's talking about communion in a very physical, tangible, involved way. Participation in the blood, participation in the body, one loaf, one body, all shared. I think it's more. I, I personally think it's more than symbolism, and and there are other sides to the argument. I'm just I'm giving you my my, my take on this. Um, Jesus is sharing himself through the sacrament of bread and wine, and it's a participation in the real Jesus with his people. And it is a mystery, but I think the Holy Spirit, and as we as we share communion, let's always pray, Holy Spirit, come and and make this more and more real to us. And, and so I'm just going to finish with this. I think this, to get your head around this, I, I don't know whether we can get our head around this, but I, I just want to, as a, as, a, as a practice as we go on from here, yeah, we'll take communion in, in a while, and, and, and hopefully some of this, you may start to consider this, but it's, it takes a while for this to sink in because we don't live in a sacramental world anymore. We live in this scientific world. But I'll, I want to say to you, next time you're on a plane, a couple of weeks, is it? Next week. Enjoy the sky and just say, God is, the, the, the expansiveness of God is being ministered to me with that blue. It's a great blue. Something like, who could pick a better color? Yeah, so, you know, next time you're, you're sheltering under a tree from the rain, or even an umbrella, just give thanks to God that he is our shelter. Uh, we may not get to sit underneath a bird's wing. Or the next time you see, I saw our neighbor's cat had got a bird and it got his mouth and the bird was like this, you know. It's like, oh my God. What that bird needed was some, and I don't know if you notice oftentimes at the end of the other birds, they start kind of getting agitated, don't they? And they start kind of like, almost like warning. Be, know that God protects us 
in, that, in the shadow. You know, next time you see that kind of thing going on, know, know that God is doing Start to see the world in those terms. And as you start to see the world in those terms and, and start to think more like that, I'm sure, I'm confident that as we take communion, we're thinking this bread actually is a little bit more than just bread now. This, this, this wine, this cup is a little bit more than just, just a drink that we're doing okay, yeah, and moving on. Next time you're in the hills, John and I were riding the Surrey Hills yesterday. Well, I was struggling to keep up, but we, we, we had a good time. But, you know, next time you're in the hills, you know, these ancient hills that won't change. Long after we've finished riding them and long before we started riding them, they were there. And God goes, God is like that. God, this ministers God to us. So practice those things, and I think the sacrament of communion, you don't even need to talk about it. Then it just starts to become a bit more real without even thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. That's been quite heavy today, probably, or maybe a bit deep. I don't know, but I um, hope it's made sense. But let's, let's pray, and then are we, we're, we're <laughs> we are going to take communion after all of that. Yeah. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we, we live in a world that is very different to the world you lived in, in the sense of the way people think. And so, as the scriptures say, let us be renewed by the transformation of our minds into your ways, into, your, into knowing you the way you are to be known. I pray you would give us a grace to see the world in, in these sacramental ways that through the, the ancient hills that we might see, we would know that steadfast uh, love that was spoken about earlier, that, that the ongoingness of, of you, that we would know your protection as we see the protection in the natural world. We would know your expansiveness as we look at the skies. And give us an idea of who you are through the world we live in and let us experience you minister to, to us through the world around us. And particularly then help us focus our attention that when we come and we break this bread and we share this cup, that we would see you and we would know you. That we would really experience your presence with us in some mysterious way, a way that we can't quantify because it is you. So Lord, we, we pray... Let us hear your words when you say, this is my body, this is my blood. Take it, eat it, drink it. We give thanks for that, and we pray open our eyes to see you more and more now. In Jesus' name, amen.